Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. Uh, let's get this. Uh, let's get this episode over with. This episode, I'm going to be talking about Street Fighter, but I'm going. I'm, I thought of trying something different. I'm going to try to do a commentary. Um, so this is Street Fighter from 1994, and. We'll see how this goes. Um, if you want to listen or watch along, I paused it at 18 seconds on Voodoo, and I, I I I have the Blu-ray, the Steelbook Blu-ray, but my PS5 is downstairs, and I'm upstairs in my de facto unofficial office thing. Anyway, I'm paused at 18 seconds. There's a little. So the first screen was like anti FBI anti piracy blah blah blah. Next one was like PG thirteen whatever, and now it looks like a some sort of Planet Horizon thing at eighteen seconds. That's where I'm currently paused. So if you want to um, play the movie along with me, you can do it. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to listen to me at all my dog's barking it's all part of the plan i'm gonna hit play on one two three play when you when i say play you hit play i'm extremely nervous i should grab the clonazepam so here we go one two three play one two three play all right move i have no audio on the movie this is a great start. Um, God damn it. This is... Alright, I'm just not going to have any audio on the movie. Uh, whatever. Because um, I have... I'm using the... The... What is this mic? The blue... Blue microphone? The... The $99 standard one that I just bought that I forgot the name of. Um, and I have my headphones plugged into that. So they're... Hold on. <laughs> so right now it's John claude Van Damme. Raul Julia just popped on the screen. Let me try to fix this. Uh, but keep on watching. Keep on watching. Keep on listening. It's still recording. So everything's good. Uh, for, for you guys. Not for me though. Crisis in Shadowloo. What I thought was interesting is this movie starts with a some news bits, and oh no, there's there's nothing I can do. Oh wait, no, no hold on. oh there you go. This movie starts with uh, a news bit, and similarly. Um, Double Dragon also started with music, with um, news bits. So that's an interesting note. I don't know if it's a, it was a, a trope they thought they needed to use, but I don't know. It was weird. Um, I gotta crack this open one second. I forgot to hold it to the mic. God damn it. 
I get a sugar-free Red Bull. 10 calories. And I was thinking the other day. Is... Um, like on We'll See You in Hell, Pat and Joe like to drink while they podcast. Pat says it loosens up the podcasting, um, the creative juices, if you will. But I found that drinking makes me sleepy. One time I had three or four drinks at a raw sushi, and I got so sleepy that I fell asleep on a park bench. And I was with my wife. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a date night out. And she took video of me falling asleep on a park bench. If my wife hadn't been there, I would have absolutely been um, mistaken for a a homeless person. And I wouldn't have blamed you. And they would offer me money. I'd be like, you know, I got to be honest. I need this money, but I'm not I'm not homeless. I just I just drank too much. I didn't even feel drunk. I just felt sleepy. Anyway, we're at the part of the movie where um, they're shoving prisoners in front of Bison and Bison's killing them. Uh, First appearance of Jean-Claude Van Damme. So, um, I wanted to talk about something. This, it's really dark and... um, Trigger warning if you're affected by uh, depression, depressing stories and sad stories and dark. So I just wanted to share this. This is going to be really hard trying to say, tell this story and watch the movie and listen to the movie at the same time. We got E. Honda on the screen. Uh, fun fact, his name is Edmund. My name is Edmund. And here's Balrog. So my... <coughs> Excuse me. I usually edit those out, but we're on a live commentary, baby. Um, let me try to get through this story quick because I want to get back to the movie. But there's Cammy, Kylie Minogue, Kylie Majogue. Um, the other weekend, my mom um, told me that her sister, my aunt, wanted to treat her out to an early birthday break, uh, brunch, d- lunch. And she, my mom asked me if I wanted to join. Is it Zengif or Zangief? The world may never know. Now that I think of it, I don't, I don't remember them referring to Zangif, Zangief in the game, in the movie rather. So I told my mom, sure, I'll go with you. Let's go on Thursday. Um, so I went with my mom and dad to Orange County, California to visit my aunt. So my aunt could treat us out to buffet because, and if there's free food, I'm, I'm there, um, in two seconds. So we go to the, we go to the lunch. It's fine. We go to Porto's, which is a popular bakery down in SoCal. And then we go to this house. My mom hands me a piece of paper with an address on it, and it's like taxi driver. I don't ask any questions. I'm like, anytime, any place. So she hands me an address. I don't ask any questions. I'm just like, okay, let's go. Kylie Majogue. Um, 
God, that was rude. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, there's Mulan. And um, so we go to this place, and I very soon realize that my mom is getting two kittens for me. There's Vega. And I've, I've wanted a cat for a while because we had two cats since 2004. And then they, they both eventually died. I got an old lady cat and that one died. So we had, it was the first time I had been without cats since 2004. Long time. But she, here's Ken and Ryu. Um, so when I, as the second I realized that my mom was getting cats, new cats for the house, I very, very immediately thought these cats are going to die in the relatively near future. It's a very dark thought, very dire, very pessimistic. I told my friend this um, story, and he said, no, cats, you know, they, they live long, 10 years or more. And I just agreed with him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But I didn't explain to him that I know they live 10 years or more. That's what I meant. My mind, my brain, my heart was flash-forwarding 10 years into the future at when these cats were going to die in my hands I don't mean I'm gonna drown them or choke them I mean I could already picture myself in the vet's office uh, euthanizing them due to old age or sickness I'm already disgusted by what I'm thinking and it's very sad I don't want to have these thoughts um, it, it's it's this is depression in a nutshell um, there's Sagat is it Saget or Sagat? Uh, remind me to talk about Bob Saget later in the episode. Um, so it's it's the same thing. Like, I can't enjoy my weekends when I get off work on Friday because I know I'm going to come into work on Monday. I can't enjoy life because I know I'm going to die one day. I can't enjoy these cats' lives because I know they're going to die one day. It's 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 depression. It's very sad. It's... It's it's a terrible way to live. It reminds me of that Atreyu song. I'm not big I'm not a big fan of Atreyu. I only I only know their title Living Like You're Already Dead. It's a good title and you can kind of get a picture of depression like you walk around like zombies going through the motions. You're not enjoying life cuz you're already living life like you're already dead. Um, so I've had, prior to these two new cats, I've had like five cats in the past few years who have passed. The first one, the youngest, um, died very young. She was the youngest and she died tragically due to a, a freak accident. But the other four, I was there in the vet's office, like holding them until their last breath Okay, we got to move on for this. I'm talking about my pet's last breaths on a podcast that's allegedly, supposedly supposed to be entertaining. 
so this scene so I, I watched the movie i watched a bunch of the special features this first scene between bison and dalsim dalsim by the way is a, i believe an indian man who they made into a doctor so um not a stereotype at all but this scene was i believe they said was the first scene they shot between for vice for raul julia and i i had no idea when watching this that he was sick i don't think anyone would have any idea but throughout the all the special features they were like he was very sick he was like should have been 230 pounds but he was like 150 very skinny very emaciated very gaunt very weak very tired but he wanted to do this movie and everyone was everyone's basically singing his praises throughout the special features um and i believe they said this was the first scene that he did and um i think this costume designer for M. Bison's um, costume was Marilyn Vance or something. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with her, but they gave her like a special credit Bison costume by Marilyn Vance. Um, let's look into that. Why don't you? Um, she's a costume designer known for The Rocketeer, Untouchables, Mister Mystery Man, Pretty Woman. Her last credit was 2008. Um, oh, wait a minute. No, that's pro that's producer credits. Um, oh, costume credits, costume designer credits. She's still she's still working. She has something a short called The Mission. In 2022, she did Hawaii Five O. 2018 to 2019 she has something called mansion manson girls pre-production um but i guess she had to design his costume they designed his costume they took measurements and then five months later he had become so thin that i guess they had to redesign it i'm taking my oh, wait never mind uh, i just hit the mic i can't this whole production is it's a fucking mess. Um, look at Vega. I, I wish he didn't take the mask off, but when he took the mask off, I, I was like, this is a good-looking man. So is Ryu. Look at this girl checking him out. He's like, damn. Ai Chihuahua. Um, Ryu, I think I recognize him... In he was in he was a, in a recent TV show. Um, his name is um, Byron Mann. So my wife and I we like we like action movies. They're fun. And so we watched the first episode of Wu Assassins on Netflix. And it it stars Iko Uais. 
who is an Indonesian actor, stuntman, martial artist, fight choreographer. He was in the Raid movies, and he's in Wu Assassins. And I believe Byron Mann plays his father. Um, adoptive stepfather. We only watched the first episode, so... Here's Jean-Claude Van Damme. I gotta say, I don't like Guile in this. He's a little too confident, a little too cocky for me, a little too quippy. I know that's how they wrote the character. And I'm not gonna blame Jean-Claude Van Damme on that. Because he's just portraying the character as written on the page. Um... Like in this scene, this this Asian man is going to throw a knife at him. And then he's going to go, spoiler alert. And then he's going to go, any other unfinished business? That was my Van Damme. Um, I don't like, Gu I don't really like Giles in this, but what are you going to do? So let me look at this. Colonel Guile. I mean, the. Uh, I gotta do the movie beat. Jeez, oh, I don't know how Pat and Joe did this. Well, in the beginning, they didn't have the segments, so they were just free flowing. But man, this is. This is really hard. I, I'm about to cry and just turn this off. Um. I don't even think I finished my cat story. Okay, gaming beat. I'm still playing Breath of the Wild. I, s I, I don't know what else to say. I really, I really like the game. I realized when I beat the the lizard uh, Goron. Divine Beast, that it was the first time I had ever, I'd ever beaten it, because everything seemed unfamiliar. Um, and now I'm just getting towards the end. I remember telling my friend Germsboro that I'm going to restart the game and I'm going to finally beat Calamity Ganon, because I've never beaten him before. So... That's my mission. And I, I got all the memories. I beat all the Divine Beasts. I have seven shrines left. So I'm just about there. I, I started the two um, DLC trials. The Master Sword trial. I got to the Hinox. And I beat him, and then I was like surprised because we, I, there was a cutscene after I beat the Hinox or Hinox, and I'm like, did I just beat it? And I was surprised. I'm like, there's no way that's the whole trial. And then I was like, I'm a little underwhelmed. And then after the fact, it's like, you have beaten part of the trial. If you want to keep going, just keep going. And I'm like, oh, there's more. I should have figured there's more. If there's a fucking Lionel at the end of the Master Sword trial, I'm never going to beat it. 
I also started the Ballad of the Champions trial, and you get hit in one beat in one hit. There's, I'm not good at that stuff. I'm just not. Um, I prefer like, cause I'm I'm eating the full recovery meals like by the second when I'm fighting Lionel. So I, there's no way I can beat it without those meals. Um, back to the movie. We are at the anal, I mean the AN refugee center. Allied nations. Um, in the news beat, the She-Hulk trailer dropped. I don't know too much about um, Tatiana Maslany. Is that her name? Tatiana Maslany. Oh gosh, Tatiana Maslany, Canadian actress. I don't know too much about her. I know she was in that popular Orphan Black that I've never seen. And she was in Parks and Rec, I think. She was in Parks and Rec in two episodes. That's where I first saw her, but, you know, two episodes. So I'm... I've heard she's a good actress, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It looks funny, and Marvel does good stuff, I say. Um, good to see Ruffalo, I guess, reprise his role as Hulk. Um... Here, here's a trope that that's been done a million times before. You have two friends, two allies who pretend to fight under the guise of, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, stealing keys, fooling other people, whatever. Um, I don't know how the, I don't know how they do this. This is so. I'm jumping back and forth between tabs. I wanted to mention that Guile is supposed to be American. And in the special features, they wanted a big action star like Harrison Ford or... Um, I forget who else, you know, maybe Stallone, but they couldn't afford the bigger actors, so they went with John claude Van Damme, and when they met with the executives, they were like, well, the issue is with his accent, and they were like, what accent? So I guess they dubbed Van Damme in the movies prior, so they didn't realize he had an accent, but at that point, he the executives were just set on having Van Damme in their big action movie, so I guess they didn't care. But Van Damme, ha I believe, has a American flag tattooed on his uh, shoulder slash bicep. Um, but Van Damme is... Um, not American. 
His nickname is the Muscles from Brussels. What's Brussels? Is it a city? Belgium. He's from Belgium. I lost my train of thought. Um, here Chun Li's gonna <laughs> throw a homing device and do a little tumble. Um, where the fuck is my notes? Okay, the Thor trailer dropped, and. I don't I don't know if I, rem I I said this on the podcast before but this is a, this is a common trope in movies where a a character is assumed to be dead in the movie and everyone mourns but there's no like medical examiner there's no autopsy there's no body identified like i remember in rush hour three jackie chan was like all he wanted was some mushu it's uh, this sounds familiar so i think i talked about this already on the podcast and i believe in the first indiana jones movie he thinks that his his the girl died and i'm like you didn't even like identify a body like why do you assume they're dead <coughs> All right, Newsbeat. The Thor trailer dropped. My friend Germs Burrow said he loved uh, Thor Ragnarok. I didn't love Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was fine. I just, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm kind of tired of the too much humor as well. So I think he's a lot more excited about the Thor trailer than I am. The girl. At the end of the teaser trailer, I didn't know who it was, but I'm sure he was like squeeing, like squee. Um, um, I later found out it was the Mighty Thor. I was about to say She Thor, but that's because in my notes I have She Hulk, comma Thor trailer. I'm surprised they revealed Guardians to be in it right away in the trailer, but, you know, it's fine. And I'll watch it, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but I'm not a big fan of <coughs> Taika Waititi. Well, I don't really... I'm not that familiar I did not like the um, what we do in the shadows. I'm kind of tired of that mockumentary style. I'm just like the boom kind of started with Ricky Gervais's office, and then was copied I identically with the American Office, and then Parks and Rec, and then Modern Family. So, I just couldn't do what we do in the shadows. Raul Julia, it's, it's a shame. He was a bow in humble gratitude 
while Bisonopolis is behind him. That was beautiful. Zengif or Zengif? Um, so I'm not, you know, I saw Christian Bale in the trailer. He looks really creepy. I, I have no idea who the character is. My friend Germsboro said that they nailed his look. So he's, I just burped. I don't know if you heard that. So he's really excited. I'm not super excited, but I'll see it because I've seen all of them. So I will see it. This is interesting because in this movie, they had, the movie was written by um, Steve, written and directed by Stephen E. D'Souza, who I'm not familiar with. He did um, 48 Hours, which I heard was a very good movie. Um, Commando, The Running Man. Die Hard. Oh, he wrote it. Um, he wrote Die Hard and Die Hard 2. He wrote those before Street Fighter. I don't know if, if, I, if I've seen Die Hard 1 and 2. Hudson Hawk, The Flintstones, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Street Fighter. Fighter, Judge Dredd, <laughs> he, in his filmography, he, <coughs> there's a listing for Blast in 2004, and I literally thought it was the, the Drumline production, if you're into Drumline at all, just look up Blast, if you haven't heard of it. It's it's a blast. <laughs> um, he hasn't worked since 2012, apparently. Um, but years active, according to Wikipedia, says it's to the present. So who knows? Let's see his IMDb. Um, his last written, his last writer credit is Spy Burbia from 2012. Last producer credit is 2012, The New Kind, um, director, unknown sender in 2011. So it looks like things have dried up for him, but who knows? Maybe he's still working on stuff. Um, update your IMDb, Stephen D'Souza, Stephen E. D'Souza. All right, what was I talking about? I got to get to the movie beat. The theme of the movie beat this week is um, nudity in film, a.k.a. my dog's barking. AKA softcore pornography, AKA when will the loneliness end? So the, I have a, sm a short movie beat. 
that that doesn't make sense because it looks like he had cardboard around his stomach and Ken shot him right in the gut. So I don't know what that's about. I have two movies in the movie beat this week. First movie is Embrace of the Vampire. I watched Embrace of the Vampire because I enjoyed Alyssa Milano in Double Dragon. And so I decided to look up... I've heard of this movie for a long time, and so I decided to watch it. It came out in 1995. On Wikipedia, it is described as an American erotic thriller vampire film directed by Anne Gorsad. This is interesting because Anne Gorsad is a French filmmaker known for her work editing Francis Ford Coppola films like Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I heard was great, and The Outsiders. So how do you go from editing, working alongside and editing movies from Francis Ford Coppola to directing Embrace of the Vampire and Poison Ivy 2? How does that happen? Look at this. um, Some Middle Eastern vendors trying to sell weaponry. That's very uh, culturally sensitive. And um, I think Embrace, Embrace of the Vampire is probably one of the worst movies I've seen. The move the movie is obsessed with sex. And um every conversation is about sex. Just a little Capcom shout out on the lid of the barrel. How does the sound of me drinking Red Bull sound? Disgusting. Um, so like, this is, this is what I don't like. I mean, I watched this movie a week or so ago and I had all these thoughts on it. I didn't take notes because when I take notes, all I talk about are the notes and then I can't remember anything else. But now that I didn't take notes, I, can, I can't remember any of my thoughts. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he, this guy is like, I was, I was with the love of my life. She, I, was a, I was an elegant prince and she was a, a housemaid. And, but I fell in love with her. And then these nude female vampire ladies come to him and, like, bite him. And then he's, like, trapped. And I guess, like, centuries later, she he senses that Alyssa Milano, who's a college student, is the is this reincarnated soul of his long-lost love. 
so he he like has three days before he like dies forever or something like that and he needs to i guess sex samantha from who's the boss and coincidentally in three days samantha from who's the boss becomes 18 you know what i also thought i i think it's weird when girls in movies portray underage girls but they're getting nude i guess that's pretty common but the first time I noticed it or noticed how I felt about it was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High because Jennifer Jason Lee is playing a high school girl and she's nude in the movie. And I, I know she's like in her 20s in real life, but I thought it was weird. So in this, in Embrace of the Vampire, Alyssa Milano, um, let me get my calculator out. Um, in the movie, Saget's about to open this chest and and open up the bison dollars. If you're following along in the movie, where the fuck is my calculator? God damn it! Um, 1972 minus 1994. So, Alyssa Milano was like 21, 22 when she made Embrace of the Vampire. And, you know, I talked a little bit about this when I watched The Big Dollhouse, when I was like, you know, female directors tried to get what little opportunities came to them in terms of acting roles and directing roles. But I think this is the opposite. I think Anne Gersad wanted to make this movie, and I think Alyssa Milano wanted to make a movie that kind of shedded her former image of a child star and she wanted to make um, more adult movies. But this movie is obsessed with sex. In the beginning, the boyfriend was like, I wish, you're, I wish you were more like your dad and got more of his promiscuous side. And Alyssa Milano won't let him look at her naked body. And throughout the whole movie, the boyfriend's like, let's fuck. Can we fuck yet? Are you 18? Also, she's 17 going to college. I don't know how that works. Um, maybe she was a smart girl, skipped a grade. And at one point in the movie, the boyfriend goes to a bar to study. I don't know who goes to a bar. to. I don't know anyone who would go to a bar to study. But also, if he's going to a bar, that means he's at least 21. So he's 21 going out with a 17-year-old. Um, should I keep commenting or should I keep or just move on? Um, it appears to be fairly consensual. But, but, but again, she, she was raised, her character was raised in like a convent for some reason. So, so this movie is just obsessed with like 
please let's get this 17 it's like it reminds me of blame it on rio like please let us get this 17 year old Alyssa milano to shed her clothes get nude and have sex um two moments pop out when i say it's i think it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen um the first moment is when this guy this buff guy is walking in nothing but a towel he's walking away from these girls so you can only see him from the back and one of the girls says nice pecs so a that doesn't make sense I thought that was funny in this in the movie. Back to the movie. When Zanjeev says, change the channel, I thought that was funny. <coughs> um, oh, and I already mentioned the other moment when he goes to a bar to study. It's just kind of weird. The movie just feels very low effort all around. I, I didn't like it, but... <coughs> You know, if you want to see Samantha from Who's the Boss nude, you can watch Embrace of the Vampire. I watched it on Tubi. Um, Jennifer Tilly in a small role. Rachel True as the typical best friend role. But I'm not exaggerating when I say every every conversation between any character in the movie is about sex. And... At one point, Alyssa Milano's wearing like head to toe covered in clothes, carrying all the notebooks. And it's just, it feels like Twilight before Twilight, but I've never seen Twilight. So I feel like, I feel like the invention of the vampire was just like, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like. Like long, long time ago, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, there was a story about a psychopath, psychopathic man, older man, who killed a young girl and like bit her, bit her neck, and maybe drank her blood. And he was crazy. Maybe he was part of a satanic cult or something. Maybe that's insensitive to say. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't have mentioned satanic cult. But maybe there was a crazy man. I shouldn't say crazy. Maybe I should just turn this podcast off. Maybe I should just turn my soul off. Um, that was rude, Mulan. Mulan just spit in in Ken's face. Um, anyway, I feel like a female writer was like, hey, that could be a good fiction story. So she invented vampires of an older, sexy, virile, strong, good-looking man who, I don't know. Oh, I just hit, oh, I didn't hit the mic. I hit the mic stand holding the pop filter. Anyway, Embrace of the Vampire is not good. Um, I'm just baffled how Anne Gorsad worked with Francis Ford Coppola and then went on to make these sultry movies, horny movies, erotic movies. 
Um, anyway, that's it for Embrace of the Vampire. And because I watched Embrace of the Vampire, um, to be recommended to me... God damn it, Callie. I just burped. I apologize. Um, to be recommended to me a movie called Vampire Ecstasy. It's also known as The Devil's Plaything. For whatever reason, back to the movie real quick. So this, uh, this Nazi-looking guy is whipping Edmund Honda on the back. And Edmund Honda is non, not reacting. And Balrog is standing in the corner, chained up. They're both chained up. And Balrog is laughing. So I watched a movie called Vampire Ecstasy. On Tubi, it's called Vampire Ecstasy. But uh, on Wikipedia, it's called The Devil's Plaything. It's described on Wikipedia. I'm surprised it has a Wikipedia page, to be honest. It is a 1973 horror film directed by Joseph W. Sarno. Um, I'll just read the plot because it's short. In a central European castle, two young girls are summoned to learn about a will making them heirs to the property on condition that they stay there for a full year. They are received by the hostess, an austere-looking woman named Wanda. There's Ryu and Ken's uh, un uh, costume reveals. Who organizes satanic lesbian rites at night that celebrate in sex and sapphism the vampire Varga. Coincidentally, on the same day, an anthropologist studying local superstitions and her brother were victims of a road accident and asked for accommodation at the castle. Wanda turns out to be the descendant of a vampire baroness Varga burned alive centuries ago by the villagers for vampirism through the lesbian priestess Wanda. Varga seeks revenge by eliminating, eliminating the families of her torturers. This movie was not good either, but I don't think it was a waste of time. I could feel the effort of this movie. It didn't make me mad watching it. But listen to this critical response. Nick Shager of Slant Magazine gave the two films two out of five stars, writing, Neither, sexy, neither scary nor sexy. The Devil's Plaything at least affords ample opportunities to compare the differences between natural boobs and a set of early generation silicon implants. Um, Ed Hulse. The attractive young leads aren't the surgically enhanced bottle blondes we typically see these days in Hollywood-made offerings of this type, and their acting is more than equal to the limited demands the script makes of them. So, like... I don't know. Um, I think it's weird that 
Nick Schager and Ed Hulse just openly comment on the boobs in this movie. And I guess I do too, but I don't know. It makes me feel gross. Anyway, the devil's plaything has a lot of nudity in it. There's constant scenes of women naked um, chanting. They're like chanting chants. And they're like kind of dancing and gyrating, if you will. And this movie is very sexual. It's essentially softcore porn, but there is an attempted plot in the movie, which I kind of respect. It's not a complete failure. I didn't think it was terrible, but it, it, it wasn't good. Um, at one point, this one girl is like, she's like so erotically charged. She, she's like, the women chanting caused this woman to, she can't like stop touching herself. And she's like, please, you must make it stop. And they need to make the guy take away the cross of garlic. I, it's not a good movie. But I appreciated the effort. The sad thing is, none of the names on the Wikipedia page are clickable, except for the director. The director, he did a bunch of stuff, um, sexploitation, softcore, and hardcore movies. But the actresses are all in red. Um the best actress or the best character in the movie i would say is um the baroness cuz she'll throw random lines out like there was one line it was crazy she was like um your mind you have a strong will dr malenkow and then she walks right away she walks away right away she brought some life to the to the movie that I appreciated. And the movie's not well done. By the end of the movie, like, they're about to kill the good girl, and the good girl holds a wooden stake and ends up killing the bad girl. It, it's not a good movie, but there's plenty of nudity. So it's on Tubi. That's it for Devil's Plaything. Um, we're at the part of the movie where Chun-Li is, has her handcuffs. I like this sequence, actually. I like this sequence a lot. It's probably my favorite sequence. And M. Bison is changing into his pajamas, I believe. Um, where's my notes page? Oh, I wanted to talk about, I don't know if I've introduced this segment on the podcast, but it's called Edmund's Sad Stuff. And this the stuff I'm going to talk about is very cool. 
the only thing that makes it sad is um, that I buy them and it it digs me deeper into a debt of never-ending financial ruin. So this scene is cool. The day you met Bison was the most important day in your life, but for me, it was Tuesday. Um, so for Edmund's sad stuff, I purchased I purchased this a while ago, but it is the Street Fighter steelbook. I bought two of them. I bought one for my brother. I'm sure he hasn't opened it yet. But I I bought one for myself. It's I I like steelbooks, but what ultimately happens is I buy them, I enjoy it, I like that I own them, but it just sits on a shelf. I guess that's most things, but a lot of times I don't even watch it. I just like owning them. But the Street Fighter Steelbook, I think it came out because in honor of the 25th anniversary of the movie. But um, let me see some of the... Oh, shit. My wife's calling. Hold on. Hello. Hello. I'm recording the podcast. Hello, this is the husband of uh, Roxanne. Yes. Okay. Um, I just want to let you know your wife is dead. Dead. Oh wow. Malcolm. I'm recording the podcast. Malcolm. What? I'm hungry. I want something to eat. I don't eat all day. Can I call you back, please? Okay, bye-bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have to inter... This is important to me and my heart and my soul. What the fuck was I talking about? Oh, the steel book. Um, so it has, obviously it has the movie. And here are the special, okay, back to the movie. You always hid behind your sumo and the boxer. Why? Since you entered this country, you never even threw a single punch. I know I'm just reciting lines from the movie, but what do you want from me? It's my favorite moment. I know women and you are harmless. Look at Ming-Na's facial expression here. She's like, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I want. I like the zoom in here. I'm not going to lie. I rewound this moment. I rewound it one time because it's a very cool moment. Um, I really like that moment in this movie. So on the special... Spe special? What the fuck? On the special features of the Blu-ray, um, there's Operation Shadalu making Street Fighter. And that is the writer-director Stephen D'Souza talking about the 
um, talking about making the movie. There's I Will Crush You, Ken versus Chapa, which is um, the actor who played Ken. He recorded himself talking about the movie. I think his name is Damien Chapa. Um, I will say I I don't think Damien Chapa is he's one of the weaker performances in the movie, unfortunately. Um, damn, he was married to Natasha Henstridge, who she was in Species. Good for you, Damien Chapa. Only lasted one year though, so. Should have done better, Chapa. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a alleged rape allegation against Chapa. Um, uh, I don't know what to say about that. I wasn't there. Um... He talked about how he didn't want to do Street Fighter initially because he wanted he didn't want to do like a silly martial arts movie. He wanted to he wanted to be seen as a serious actor, a serious thespian, so he kind of rejected it at first. And um and then his agent called him back a few days later. He's like, "What are you talking about? This is a huge movie starring Raul Julia and Jean-Claude Van Damme and it's like Universal and Capcom it's a huge project so he like convinced him to do it uh, I his performance is a little weak I would say in this movie um, and Ryu Byron Mann's performance is about a thousand times better than Damien Chapa sorry but I like that he appeared in the special features I like that he did that um, I'm assuming he filmed that for release in 2021, but I'm not sure. There's Game Over Scoring Street Fighter, which is about the score by Graham Ravel. His name sounds familiar. Um... He he is a he did a bunch of movies, but um I don't know. I guess I don't know him. I just his name sounds familiar. Um oh I I laughed at this part of the movie because <coughs> they've been showing they've been showing Ch Charles. Carlos Blanca, like horrific scene, um, film footage of horrific scenes, like psychotic scenes to make him crazy, to degrade his mind. And then Dalsim tries to um, halt that process by showing him happy images. And they show him, they show footage of a, a black couple getting married and footage of Martin Luther King Jr. saying that I have a dream speech. And in my brain, in my mind, I just imagined him getting more angry. 
And he's like, they reveal that Blanca is a closeted racist. And, and he spells his name Blanca with three Ks. <laughs> Blanca-ca-ca. Blanca-ca-ca-ca. Um, that's, where mine, that's where my mind goes. A horrifically racist joke. Horrifically racist. But he's a monster. You know, he's a monster. Also in the special features, they were supposed to attack Bison's base with a helicopter, like an aerial assault. But they didn't want to do that because there was there was unrest in the area. I think it was in Bangkok, Thailand. So they didn't want to um, cause any more panic or, you know... They didn't want to do that in a period of unrest, so they decided to do um, this This stealth boat that Guile uses. It was initially supposed to be Bison's boat, and he was going to use it to escape the base. But instead, they rewrote it so that Guile uses the stealth boat to enter his base, and the assault, the aerial assault was abandoned. Interesting? No one? No one thinks that's interesting? Okay. Goodbye. It was Tuesday producing Street Fighter um, was by Ed Pressman, I think. He sounds like an old man, but um, he talks about producing Street Fighter. The Strongest Woman in the World, Ming-Na versus Chun-Li. I'm glad she made it into the special features as well. I'm going to talk about Ming-Na Wen for a second. Because she... She's awesome. Um, let me look at her film. Okay, I know her from... As the voice of Mulan. From the animated Mulan. Way back when. And then... As Chun-Li... And then she was on um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for many years. And now she's on um, the, the Mandalorian and then the Book of Boba Fett. So she has been like representing like Asian people f- for years, according to Wikipedia, since 1985. Um, I don't know if she's talked about a lot. She... She should be, but she's like, what do what do the kids say these days? Queen, um, she's a queen. Um, she was in the Joy Luck Club, which I've heard the title, but I don't I don't know anything about the Joy Luck Club. Um, um, she was in Street Fighter as Chun Li Zhang, Mulan. She was in Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, which every time I've tried to watch that movie, I I fall asleep. I, I've never seen it in its entirety. So this part of the movie, um, Bison is, is pressing these buttons similar to an arcade cabinet. And I I couldn't help but compare it to Superman 3. 
But in this movie, I feel like it was more of an homage to the arcade game. It doesn't feel as silly. Or maybe it's it's supposed to be silly. But in Superman 3, I hated it. Because there was an actual... There was actual text on the screen that says Superman 0 missiles 200 you know i hated that in superman 3 i thought i really thought it brought the movie down but in this it's doing a similar thing but i feel like it's it's it feels like more of an homage to the arcade cabinet game rather than a silly thing but again i don't know maybe it's supposed to be silly the writer director is said it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to be a parody but um i don't know um ming na wen also played fa mulan in mulan 2 which i remember liking um the writing this the story and the it was pretty solid you should check out mulan 2 if you have not seen it yet um she reprised her role of Mulan in Ralph Breaks the Internet in a short role. She was a cameo in the live-action Mulan. And we're not going to go through... Um, she has a whole slate of Wikipedia listings. But I know she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I liked... I like that first season. Spoiler alert. I like that first season. But I don't like... I, I think his name was Dalton. I don't like when he turned bad. And then it kind of lost me. Um, I can't... I couldn't get past the first season. But the first season is good. Same way I feel about Heroes. Solid first season. Then it lost me. Um, she's done a bunch of stuff for Disney. She played Chun-Li in Street Fighter, the movie video game, which I didn't know there was one. Um, but thank you, Ming-Na Wen, for representing Asian people. And I'm not on social media, but I, I, hope, I hope people think about you and talk about you a lot. Because you, you're a bankable... Asian star. I don't know how else to put it. Um, what else is there? There's also a segment on the Blu-ray called Ultimate Badass JCVD at Universal. And it's just, it's a guy talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme's roles in his film career up to Street Fighter. Up through Street Fighter. And there's there's some more special features, but I didn't I didn't get a chance to see all of them. But the ones I listed, I I did watch and I enjoyed. They're kind of short. They're not too involved or long. And Damien Chapa recorded himself. He's like in black and white on the side. But for the most part, the rest are just audio. Um, the guy talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme, he appears in the special features. His name is like David Moore, I think. He's an author. I don't know. 
Okay, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So that's the Steel Book. That's Edmund's sad stuff. Um, I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I was able to watch it today on my PS5. And Pat Walsh says the Blu-rays are 80 billion times better than streaming it because streaming it, you're you're involving the... Oh, here's something from the special features. So in this scene, Guile says four years of ROTC for this shit. So they they wanted to make the movie PG-13 to market to be able to market um, Happy Meal merchandise. And at first there was too much violence, too much blood, so the the ratings board rated it a rated R. And Steven D'Souza was like, we can't have it rated R. We are, we're already making the toys. We're already, it needs to be PG-13. So they tried to edit it down and reduce the blood, reduce the kills, reduce the violence. And then they made it a G. And they're like, we can't have a G. Um, so I he added that one line. And he, he doesn't appear on camera saying it. It's kind of a voiceover thing. He just says, four years of ROTC for this shit. So they made it a PG-13, maybe because of that single line, or maybe they had to make additional edits to the movie. This is Kylie Minogue. She is hot, and she has a similar vibe to the girl who played um, Sonya in the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, Casting... Where's the cast? Um, Jessica McNamee. McNamee. In the new Mortal Kombat movie. So this is kind of funny. Somehow, Jean-Claude Van Damme enters a a secret passageway from outside this temple base and is somehow able to navigate his way to the exact spot he needed to be which is the laboratory where his friend charlie is being held i thought that was interesting and kind of funny at the same time we just passed the one hour nine minute mark on the movie 10 20 34 about a half hour left um so blanca is now choking his friend guile so that's it for uh, edmund's sad stuff street fighter steelbook i recommend it you should check it out and f- finally i got through all my segments of the podcast that's very difficult um podcasting is it really is not as easy as it seems um especially doing the commentary like i don't know how they were able to i don't know they're they're professionals i would say they're professionals but um jean claude van damme in that segment on the special features of the blu-ray david moore or whatever his name was talking about jean claude van damme it made me want to go watch 
Jean-Claude Van Damme's um, filmography. Because, let me look at his filmography. Um, They talked about, well, they talked about him appearing in some breakdance video or something. Um, Bloodsport. I kind of remember Kickboxer and Lionheart. I remember Time Cop. Um, I remember him. I I don't know which movie was where he he was training with an Asian man, and then he he had buckets fall on his. I don't know if it was his crotch or his abs, but buckets fell on his. It's part of his training. But I remember liking it when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if I'll go through his filmography, but he had a good run for a while. When I was a kid, I thought he had a good run. I don't know how most people think about uh, his movies. Um, so Dalsim, Dalsim is in the game is a... I believe he's an Indian man, but he was he was like Mr. Fantastic. And he could breathe fire and stretch his arms and he was endorned with jewelry across his whole body. <coughs> and he was like bald. And in this he's like a doctor scientist fully clothed. Although he does have chains on his body. So this part's cool when Jean-Claude Van Damme shoots out of this cage or whatever and kicks Raul Julia in the face. Um, so let me talk about this movie. In the beginning of the movie... I thought, okay, let's settle in. This movie is probably going to be bad. It's from 1994, which is not that long ago. Depends on who you ask, I guess. Um, where's my fucking calculator again? 22, no, no, no. It's 28 years. All right, it's uh, almost 30 years old, this movie. So that is quite a while ago. I'm just... That's just sad to me, so I didn't want to admit it. But by the end of this movie, I thought it it was it's a pretty fun movie, I got to say. Um and I know people are going to scoff at this statement, but it reminded me it it felt like kind of like Avengers before Avengers. Now, let me explain. Avengers was a... When did Avengers come out? 2012, I think. Um, so, Avengers was a... When you think about the original Iron Man movie, it's a four-year... Ad, um, Adventure from 2008's Iron Man to 2012 Avengers. 
and they did something that I've never really seen before, but they took these individual characters and then brought them together in this one epic movie, and it worked in a really good way, in a really awesome way, I think. And in this movie, they they somehow brought a, a bunch of characters together, but they did it all in one movie. So they did it in, what is it, uh, 101 minutes? Um, 102 minutes. And, you know, it's not a great movie. It's not a good movie. But it, watching it now in 2022, it's it's a fun movie. Um, let's go through the characters. So Jean-Claude Van Damme is this colonel. And like I said, I don't love his character. He's He's a little too cocky, too confident, too quippy for me. You have Raul Julia as M. Bison, who is this dictator type who has captured hostages from all across the world. And he he's asking for $20 billion in return. And if he doesn't get it in like two days, he's going to kill them all, whatever. You have Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li, who's a... I guess M. Bison destroyed villages and killed her father. And so she has this vendetta against M. Bison. So she hates M. Bison and she starts like a news network kind of as a cover. And she also meets two people who hate him as much as he, she does. Um, Peter Tuya Sosopo as... Edmund Honda, and um, Grand L. Bush as Balrog. The two of them work with her on her news network, and they, Bison, ruined their reputations as Honda was a, a sumo wrestler and Balrog was a boxer. So um, the three of them work together. You have Ken and Ryu who are kind of swindler characters, I guess. Um, I, I guess they deal... I, I kind of don't remember. They I don't understand their scene, but they worked as like... They would dupe weapons. Oh yeah, they had those fake weapons and they would get money for these fake weapons. That's how they earned a living. So they were kind of like criminals so you have kylie minogue as cammy who works with colonel guile guile you have um roshan seth as dalzim who who is reluctantly working under bison you have andrew brunarski as zangief who's um kind of a dummy working for bison So you have all these, like, you have this, all these characters from around the world who get unfortunately roped into this unfortunate situation. And then some of them fight with Guile to fight against Bison, and some of them are fighting or on the side of Bison. So it's it's no easy task to 
write a script to bring all these characters together. And some of the movie is silly, some of the movie is dumb, but some of the movie is funny, and it is a fun... Like, by the end of this movie, I really thought this was a pretty fun movie. Um, I will mention, the more I thought about Double Dragon, the more I thought that that was kind of a fun movie as well. These were not good movies, but watching them in 2022, they are, they're, they are kind of fun movies. Um, speaking of Avengers, there is a an after-credit scene to this movie, spoiler alert. During the credits, they play music tracks, and then there is a, a radio DJ that comes in intermittently throughout the credits. Uh, I don't really understand what's going on there. But there is an end credit scene where there's a, a, a an AI voice going, solar battery recharging, solar battery recharging. And then M. Bison's arm comes up from the ground like a few horror movies I've seen. And then there's like a computer screen that says world domination. There's Giles' uh, American flag tattoo, which again, he's a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the adjective. Is he Dutch? Is he Brusselsish? Brusselsish? Here's the Godzilla parody, which I thought was pretty funny. It's e Edmund Honda and Zan Zangif or Zangif. Um, and they're like monsters. And here's the epic fight between Guile and M. Bison. What does the M in M. Bison stand for? Um, appearance of conception. Uh, the Wikipedia is lengthy. I'm not going to find this. Um, maybe it's Michael. Michael Bison. Um, so yeah, all throughout the special features, I already mentioned this, but everyone mentions that Raul Julia was sickly when making this movie, and it's 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 very sad. I only know Raul Julia from Adam's family and um, and this M Bison. And Street Fighter, and this movie should be seen because of Raul Julia's performance. And when watching the movie, I, re I already knew I was going to use the word gravitas. But when I was watching the special features, so many people mentioned the word gravitas when describing Raul Julia. Oh, there's this jackknife move. Um... You have the, I think the composer used the term gravitas. Um, the producer, Ed um, Pressman, used the word gravitas. But he really does. There's, uh, It's a perfect word to describe his performance. It's a really good performance. And he's not, he's not phone, phoning it in. He, does, he doesn't treat it like it's a silly movie based on a video game. He really puts 
a thousand percent into his performance and you can feel it. And I, like I mentioned, I had no idea he was sick when making this movie. Um, and I, and I don't attribute that solely to, you know, camera tricks and stuntmen. You can still feel his energy when he's saying these long um, dictatorship speeches and soliloquies throughout the movie. You can feel his energy, his effort, his commitment to the movie and to his performance. And uh, it's a shame that um, he died. But... According to his Wikipedia, he had been in theater since 1967, um, movies since 1971, but I only know him from 1991, Adam's Family, 1993, Adam's Family Values, and 1994, Street Fighter, which, that sucks. I should, I should see more of his filmography as well. Um... He died at 54, which is insanely young. Um, He had suffered from stomach cancer for three years prior to his death and had undergone surgery for it. Um, Damn, that's that's sad. Um, That's unfortunate. He has two children. Um, I don't know what they're up to. He's... <coughs> Perdón me. Perdóname. He was um, from Puerto Rico, which I don't believe I knew. Um, so here's the scene where Ken is yelling at Ryu, telling him, hey, get out of there, it's a trap. And then Vega comes in. Unmasked, yeah, put on your mask. You look approximately 80 billion times better with your mask on, Vega. Although, you do have a good-looking face, but the mask makes you look like a... So much cooler. Um, what else can we talk about? I don't... I don't know. West Studi... Is, uh, Oh, this is a weird coincidence. So, um, they they were just talking about West Studi. Hold on, back to the movie. So, he has this electromagnetic technology. I don't know, embedded into his suit and his boots. This explains why he should have done the spinning torpedo. Why didn't he spin? I guess they. I guess there's there's no easy way to perform that stunt, but. So this sequence is cool. They had to reshoot this sequence in Canada, I believe. I forget why, but um So West Studi, I didn't recognize his name, but Pat Walsh was talking about a list of the best actors and West Studi was on the list. He's not a big name. He he's from the Last of the Mohicans in mostly a silent role. And they were, they were saying he was supposedly on the list because of um, he's Native American, and it's like um, I don't know what would you call that. 
um, best acting affirmative action or something. But that's a weird coincidence because I didn't recognize the name Wes Studi, but he played Saget in Street Fighter. So here's a cool sequence between Ryu and Ken versus Vega and Saget. Oh, there's the Aduken fireball. Which is pretty cool because they don't explain it. They don't comment on it. There's just a brief flash and and he does the iconic Hadouken. Um, that was cool with Vega um, cutting into the punching bag. Let me tell you something that's not cool. It's um, when Ken does the I don't even know what you call this punch. I call it the Hayuken punch. It was... I mean... It just felt kind of weak. He just... He does like a slight uppercut and then turns around. But, like I said, Byron Mann's acting skills are... He beats down Ken to a pulp, and his Hadouken fireball was a thousand times better than Ken's Hayuken. What is what is it called? A dragon punch? I'd like some dragon fruit punch right now. Um, I remember playing this game when I was a kid, but I remember not liking the new crew of characters so i liked the classic characters you know the guile the m bison the balrog zenjif e honda chun li ryu ken but i remember characters like kami i don't believe kami was part of the original street fighter 2 cast of characters uh, neither was t hawk neither was jd or dj so when I saw that they were in the movie, I was like, eh, that's weird. I think Cammy is a popular um, like cosplay character at conventions. So she has been inducted into the, the large Street Fighter cast. But I remember her being um, part of the new cast. New cast of characters. Or maybe I'm wrong. Cammy Street Fighter... There's Chun-Li crying. There's Edmund Honda doing his, I guess, some rendition of the fast hands. Cha -da 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 -da. I, d I didn't know what sound effect to make, so I, I did kind of a cha-da-da-da-da. Um, no, it says that she Cammy was in Street Fighter 2. Oh, see, the new challengers. That's what it was. The new challengers. And I'm like, who are these new... T-Hawk, Cammy, Fei-Long, and DJ, who are, who are in this movie. And I remember thinking, who are, who are they? Um, for whatever reason, this part of the movie hit me. It had an impact me, on me as a kid. Because Zangif, Zangif was a bad guy the whole movie. And he's like, General Bison, he's a bad guy. And he... 
for for whatever reason as a kid watching this a bad guy turn good it it just makes you feel good i don't know how else to explain it it's like corny it's schmaltzy it's the classic redemption story it's like it's like the poor man's homeless man's poor man's homeless man's version of darth vader getting redeemed um spoiler alert if you haven't seen star wars these girls are really attractive attractive as fuck so the this this scene i was like oh zanjif is gonna save him uh, this way i i don't know as a kid it just warms the cockles of my heart what what the fuck is a cockle does anyone know what a cockle is I'm looking up cockle. Um, an edible burrowing bivalve mollusk with a strong ribbed shell. Um, I don't think that's what I'm thinking of. A small shallow boat. I don't think my heart has a small shallow boat. Warm the cockles of one's heart. Give one a comforting feeling of pleasure of contentment. Um, I'm still confused. So this is the scene where Dalsim becomes shirtless and bald. And he decides to stay inside the exploding temple along with Blanca. Because he has to atone for his evil deeds in his part in creating the monster of Blanca. And Blanca doesn't want to return to the rest of humanity because he is a monster. So here's Dalsim and Blanca hugging. Which is kind of sad. I wish Blanca did the electricity move. That was my favorite move. Or like turned himself into a ball and hurled himself in a horizontal fashion towards his enemies. But it didn't happen. Um, man, these girls. You got an Asian and a blonde. I shouldn't talk so crassly. That was crass, wasn't it? You got crass bandicoot up in here. I was watching this. These poor soldiers were treating these extras badly. Look, that guy pushes that one to the ground. Jesus Christ. He hit him so hard his helmet came off. If I was that extra, I would sue. You know, I'm an extra. I'm like getting five bucks per day. You know, give me ten bucks per day or I'll sue. This guy, I, I recognize him from somewhere. This uh, DJ character. Um... Miguel A. Nunez. He was in The Return of the Living Dead, Life, and Leading Roles in Juana Man. Okay, that's not great, but um, he looks familiar. I don't know what from, from what. I don't think I've seen a Juana Man. Um, here's Guile come in from Nora. I feel like they should have given him more, more of a mohawk flat top kind of cut. Here's Kylie Minogue about to break into song. Joe, 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 Joe. 
Okay, this is where it gets real corny, which, you know, I, I don't blame them. I know they're trying to wrap up the movie, and it's, I think this is supposed to be considered a family-friendly affair of a movie. Um, here's kind of a nice moment. John claude Van Damme is correcting his thumbs up. Yeah, this is real corny ass shit, but it's fine. Like, I don't know. I I know Super Mario Brothers movie was bad, but out of the three, um, Super Mario Brothers, Double Dragon, and Street Fighter, this one is the best by far. This is crazy inappropriate, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Only if you wear that dress. This is the freeze frame of a lifetime. <laughs> this is how they decided to end the movie. What the fuck? I think Kylie Minogue just showed her ass to me. Um, for Raul, vaya con Dios. Go with God, I believe. Credits are playing. There's the radio DJ. I don't know why. Uh, I don't really understand what that is. Uh, maybe it's the director. I don't know. But that's all I have for the Street Fighter commentary. I'm hoping to Dios that Audible doesn't crap on me when I stop this recording. Um, I'm going to press pause. on the. I'm not going to wait for the secret scene. Um, thank you for listening. Thank, uh, I hope you are well. I hope your pets are well. If you have a cat, dog, lizard, pig, hamster, a snake, bird, I hope a rabbit, I hope they're well. I hope you are okay. Um, do something creative today. Don't abandon your friends. Uh, take care of yourself. Be safe. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm going to assume you didn't. Um, it's super hot in this room. My wife's hungry. I got to figure out how, what to do about that. Take care of your mental health. If you like Final Fantasy VII, please check out youtube.com slash odddrummergaming. If you like drums and video games, please check out youtube.com slash drumj8, even though I haven't uh, posted to that in a few weeks because I'm mentally and exhausted and emotionally tired. Thanks for listening. Um, let me know what you think of this format. Uh, DM me or text me. Thanks for listening. Stay odd and keep on playing.